Welcome to the Naturopathic Life and Living Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Francis, where I'm going to be talking about all kinds of things underneath the sun, everything that has to do with life, living, and your healthcare. So today I'm going to talk about nutrition. Things about nutrition, though, it's not just food. It's something that I want you to think about. Nutrition isn't just food. So if you think about it as like whatever you take into your body, so that includes what's in your environment, that includes the energy you surround yourself with. Think about all of those different possibilities for right now. It's what you feed yourself. Let's just go back to food, okay? So nutrition is the therapeutic order level one, establishing the basis for health, right? So if we talk about food and we're talking about sustenance, we're talking about our nutrients. So let's think about that. Like what kind of food do you eat? Do you even think about the food that you eat or do you just eat it because that's what your family has always eaten and that's what you were given when you were a child and that's what's available to you because that's what's been offered to you. And then if you take that even further and you make it more widespread and then that ends up being your family traditions and then that ends up being your culture and then more families and a larger culture and then it's your whole entire culture's traditions and then oh my gosh how do you go against that so yeah food is big and it's one of the most difficult things to try to get somebody to change if they don't understand what's going on and why it's a very psychological mental emotional aspect there's energy in that it's big nutrition is big which then makes me ask autoimmune diseases and food related digestive problems and things like that obesity is that really something that's part of your dna is it nature or is it actually nurture is it something that you're following the trends of the family members that you've known have always given you that information and those are the foods that you eat because those are the foods that you eat even though they're not actually good nutrition and healthy for you that's just what everybody has always eaten so that's why everybody always looks the same in their body habitus and then end up with the same chronic conditions and diseases food is huge it incorporates our culture our traditions our social norms how you spend your day how you bond with people it's included in celebrations i mean think about it how much of your life every single day does society devote to food so you have breakfast you have lunch you have dinner and if you spend more than you know three minutes scarfing something down which you're not supposed to do it that fast but if you if you spend a decent amount of time actually eating and enjoying and ingesting the food a decent part of your day is going to be devoted to eating then you also have the bonding with the shopping for the food and then the prepping it oh my gosh when I was in culinary school one of my partners we used to flirt while prepping food it was crazy crazy hot extremely fucking hot like and that's that's not even going into any sex play with food which is a completely different topic for another day but yeah then the mealtime cleanup afterwards and then, you know doing your dishes and and all of that stuff so how many holiday festivities are there where families get together and they prep the food or you know maybe the elders prep the food but then you know a different generation are actually taking care of the dishes so there's a lot involved in food other than just eating it it's a huge cultural thing so why doesn't this culture focus more on the quality of the food that goes into your body well part of it is because food is big business right because you need food in order to survive and so there's a monopoly about it there's a conspiracy about it there's there's all kinds of other ulterior motives and intentions from people when people have businesses and their goal is to make money, then that's their goal. So you need to have food. So if it's something that's maybe not necessarily the best quality for you, then they're going to hype it up with other things to make your body tricked into wanting it, like making it really creamy, like making it really salty, like putting a bunch of sugar in there. So that way you end up getting addicted to it and you crave it, right? So all of these different things are things that people in the food industry know that happens. And a lot of people who are awake and aware know that happens, but people that are being manipulated 
manipulated don't know that is happening, obviously, right? If you're being manipulated, it's because something is being given to you that you're not consciously aware is happening and you're just taking it in, right? So that's the thing. What are you taking in in your environment? So let's let's talk about let's talk a little bit more about food, okay? One thing I want to emphasize is preservatives. How much of our food has preservatives in it? So if you take a little bit of a look back in time with history, why did we have preservatives? Well, because our food was rotting because we didn't have, I'll say they, because I wasn't this consciousness alive back then that I'm aware of. So they had not a lot of means to be able to preserve their food. So let's say that you had a farmer who had wheat and had to go bring it somewhere to be processed. Well, all that protein, all that moisture, that crop would rot before it was able to be produced. And then the whole thing would be wasted or a majority of it would be wasted. So then with the make of the milk and being able to process that flour and being able to pull the moisture out of it, which also pulled nutrients out of it to be able to preserve that, it allowed for people to be able to have access to the food that was otherwise rotting because they didn't have the means to be able to get it put into a form to be able to eat. Like we now have transportation where you can just do that faster. The problem is, is that since everybody got used to the habit of processing it and pulling those nutrients out, they forgot the reason why that process was needed in the first place. And that's because the food was rotting. Well, that's not a problem now. We have food all over the place. We have transportation that can take us all over the place. So that that's not really a problem, but it does improve, or I should say elongate shelf life. So think about that. What happens to food when it goes into your body? It breaks down, it digests, right? Well, it rots, right? That's what happens in the air when the food, the bacteria, that the food is attacked by bacteria, it breaks it down, right? It separates all of the bonds. It rots it. It brings the nutrients back down to their original form, but it's doing it in the air with oxygen, which is a different type of environment inside the body, yada, yada, yada. Okay, so if you have a preservative specifically put in a food to avoid that food from breaking down, well, the point of eating it is so that way it can get broken down into smaller parts so that way your body can use it for what it needs to be able to function. So your body needs to digest that food. Your body needs to be able to break it down into smaller parts. Your body needs that food to rot and to separate so that way it can use its parts. But if there's preservatives in it, that means there's things in that food or that food has been altered in such a way to keep it from breaking down. It makes it so that way the bacteria in your system, which is supposed to be there, by the way, unless you have other things going on and there's other types of bacteria in there that's not supposed to be in there that interferes with your health. But the healthy bacteria that are in your gut are supposed to be able to break down that food and be able to digest it, be able to eat it internally. If there's preservatives in there stopping bacteria from being able to break down your food, how is the bacteria in your body supposed to be able to break down that food to be able to use it so that way you can function better, so that way you can continue to build up what your cells need and to be able to let go of what your cells no longer need so that way you can continue to be healthy, right? So the way that we are healthy is that we bring in our nutrients, we break them down, we use what we need to be able to improve or continue on at the rate where we are to have that dynamic aspect of change. And then we let go of what we no longer use. We let go of the waste products. So we let go of, you know, the byproducts in whatever way that may be. And so we have all these processed foods with all these preservatives in it to keep it from going rotten before we eat it. But we need it to be able to rot after we've eaten it. And those preservatives are interfering with that. And so then you end up with all of this food just sitting in there fermenting and the bacteria isn't able to break it down because there's all these preservatives in there and then you end up with gas and you end up with bloating and then you just 
just get, you know, your gut just gets bigger and bigger. And then you end up with other kinds of bacteria in there where that type of environment is beneficial for it because that's the type of environment that they grow in. And then you start craving those foods. And then you end up with people who need to get fecal transplants because they're under such a severe state of duress that they don't even have the right kind of bacteria in their body anymore to be able to actually digest their food. So yeah, people actually get treatments for fecal transplants. It's something that's real. Essentially, all it is, is taking somebody else's feces, somebody else's poop, typically the best would be in your own home environment, and then you take that as medicine, so that way it can repopulate your gut. It saves lives. But why is there a problem in the first place? Because the right kind of bacteria is no longer allowed to be where it needs to be in order to digest the foods that your body needs and knows how to be able to utilize. So then think about that. Our food industry has specifically altered our bowels to make them more conducive for us to continue buying their products. The foods create certain bacteria in our bodies that makes that bacteria crave the foods that it wants, which is what alters our bodies. And the food industry knows that. So that's making our bodies have to have these enzymes ramped up in order to be able to break that food down. But it's not really something that's natural. So our bodies don't know how we're supposed to do that. And so we end up with just more storage of it. And then what happens? Well, then we eat some more, but we're not eating stuff that's healthy and natural that's capable of breaking down inside of our bodies because there's lots of preservatives in it. And so then we just end up backing up our system. And then what happens to all that food stuff when it gets stored? Like, where does it go? Well, it, it gets turned into fat. So then we end up with all these people who have all this extra gut fat, right? And what is it? It's all your food. It's all of your undigestible, unprocessed, preservative-filled things that you've been eating. Just because you can put it in your mouth to it and swallow it doesn't mean it's actually food, even though that's what we tend to think. So if it looks like food, it tastes like food. It's food, right? No, not really. There's really, really smart, uh, logical thinking scientists who know how to make things that our bodies think are food. And then our minds also think that it's food. But food is something that gives us sustenance. So that way we can thrive. Food with preservatives isn't really food. It's stuff that you can eat that gets you by, but it doesn't make you thrive. It doesn't allow your body the opportunity to have its optimal chances of healing. It doesn't give the proper building blocks to be able to operate in a systematic way, the way that our bodies were designed to be able to operate because those things were man-made and quite honestly, not initially intended to be eaten. Another aspect that I want to talk about now when we're talking about food. So I'm, I'm just going to talk about food in general and then we'll, we'll use that to mean just the kinds of things that people think of as something that you eat, right? That is socially acceptable to eat. So yeah, granted, you know, there's a thing called FICA where people have cravings for things that other people know you're not supposed to have, like, you know, laundry detergent or chalk or dirt or whatever. But actually there are restaurants in Japan who utilize dirt because there are a lot of nutrients in the soil. So you can specifically go to restaurants and get dirt in your food because you're actually getting the nutrients, which is where the fruits and vegetables grow inside of. So it's kind of like skipping through and just adding those natural nutrients right back to your food. The pudding little snack thing that when I was in the daycare industry, that's how I'll refer to it. A common project would be to make dirt pudding, right? So they take the pudding, which is like, you know, gelatin and cream and sugar, essentially. And then um, they crush up cookies and put in it and add little gummy worms and, you know, things like that. So this like sugar filled, sugar laden sweet treat that tastes yummy and it's fun to make 
and it looks cool and you know it makes references to the dirt and stuff like that well you can actually really get that for real there are restaurants that do that and some people might think that's odd but I mean little kids eat dirt and you ever think about why they do that because there's nutrients in it and our bodies need the nutrients of things that are in the soil and those are natural soils not the soils that don't use crop rotation that just constantly get bled out of their nutrients and there's not a balance inside them which is what the growing food industry has turned into with monopolization and the focus of larger crops to be able to make more profits and feed more people but quite honestly then the people need more of the food to be able to eat to be able to get the nutrients that they could have gotten if they would have had more nutrient-dense foods in a smaller quantity. If you grow hemp on your field and you do crop rotation, then hemp balances out the nutrients that are in the soil that have been taken out. So hemp would help with that. But then we have all of the issues that we had in the past with hemp, which is now changing, but that'll help rebalance your soil just like cannabinoids will help rebalance your body. And that is a different topic as well. So it's kind of like a backward circle catch 22 that could just make your mind run in circles, but we're not going to continue going on that right now. And I never really thought about before I went to medical school, but supplements, I thought supplements was like supplementing, meaning you're substituting it. Well, that's not what it means. A supplement, when you're supplementing something, means in addition to. So any kind of supplements you're supposed to take in addition to the food that you're eating. You're not supposed to use those pills as replacements instead of eating the food. So because of the food that's grown now, it doesn't really have as many nutrients as food from the past, which food is medicine and things used to be way stronger before. So it doesn't really have everything in it that it used to have in there using vitamin C supplements or, you know, any kind of botanicals or anything like that, adding to the food that you eat or even spices. So like, for example, we think that spices are flavorings for food, right? Well, they used to be the medicines and they are medicines. So for example, cinnamon is actually something that helps control blood sugar. It's not just a spice. It actually has a medicinal quality and many, if not most, all of the spices do as well. Okay, so then that brings me to food again. So what is food? Like, what is the point and purpose of of food, of eating? Well, food is something that's alive. It's something that has energy. It has something that has growth potential. So it's something that at one point in time before we stuck it in our mouth and swallowed it, it was alive because that's what we need it for. We need it for those living building blocks to be able to add to our living building blocks to be able to keep us alive. And so we have plants and we have animals and then there's energy in those. And, you know, for anybody that wants to say that plants aren't alive, you've never looked at the photography taken and then sped up from videos of when a plant is put in sunlight and then turned over time, it will turn and move towards that sunlight because it takes in that sunlight and it turns it into food. So that way it can grow. So that's photosynthesis, right? But then we also have animals. We have fish. So people think of the meats as the protein. And, you know, when you ingest that, you get all of their neurotransmitters that were floating around inside their bodies. And what are neurotransmitters? Those can be thought of as emotional chemicals, right? So what kind of conditions were those animals under while they were growing and right before they got killed? Because if they were aware of the fact that they might be getting killed or if they were squished and shoved in a slaughterhouse or, you know, any of the other factors you want to talk about with like dirty raising or squished in kennels or, you know, whatever different conditions there are for being able to, you know, mass produce packageable food parts that used to be from living creatures. You know, those are all different things that that you have to consider that you're going to be ingesting their chemicals that were moving around in their 
their bloodstream, which is inside of their tissue, which is the muscle, which is what the meat is. So when you're looking at a steak, you're looking at if it's beef steak, then you're looking at what used to be the muscle aspect of the body of a cow or a seed or, you know, whatever type of cattle that was that created that meat. And so at one point in time, that was a living thing that had neurotransmitters flowing through and neurotransmitters are emotions. And if you think that animals don't have emotions, then watch one that's sleeping when it cries, right? It's like it's having a scary dream because all you have to do is put your hand on it or, or, you know, tell it it's okay. Or, you know, one of its litter mates will lay on it if it's a dog or something, and then it calms down. So we have to ingest things that are alive so that way we can get the energy from it so that way we can continue to be alive. And then what does that mean? And then the other day I was at the grocery store and this never happened to me before, but I've been fasting and I've had all these releases and ascension and, you know, death of my ego and all this fun stuff. And I was in the grocery store and walked over to the section where the meat was. And I've never experienced this before, but I felt I could feel for all of you out there that are empathic and aware and can feel these kinds of things. Yes, it's real. I could feel all of the animals still attached to their meat. I could feel them laying there in their chopped up parts, just waiting like they were in this purgatory, like their energy was just sitting there waiting, still attached with and around their meat, like waiting to be ingested to be able to be, you know, adapted and added into somebody else or something else or thrown into the garbage. And then once it finally rotted, then it would dissipate away or something like that. One thing I was considering is how can people be upset about people eating animals when people eat plants because plants are living creatures as well. But then that gets into an ethical kind of concern where it's like, yeah, but how much of a consciousness do they have? I have no idea. You want to start talking about psychedelics? So those plant medicines and the spirits and those kinds of plants. And that's the reason why people have spiritual experiences on those. But again, that's another topic. But all of these things are different things that should be considered when you're thinking about eating holistically, because, you know, maybe you eat that burger and then you start having panic attack triggers over something that happened five years ago or whatever, and you have no idea what triggered it. Well, it might be because you have neurotransmitters from an animal that realize they're about ready to get killed or they were being suffocated or whatever. I don't know. This isn't specifically halal cooking or kosher methods or anything like that, but some spiritual practices take into account the way that the animal is killed. Do you bless it? Do you thank it for living so that way you can survive? You know, are you a warrior or are you a, are you a sloth that's just, you know, greedy and taking everything in and they're not even processing it very well anyways? I mean, there are, there are a lot of factors when it comes to eating and food. So really, there is not a one-size-fits-all. There's not a diet, which diet, by the way, everybody thinks it means alter the way that you're eating so that way you can lose weight. And that's not what it means. A diet is the food that you eat. It's the nutrients that you get. Your diet is what you consume. But there isn't a one-size-fits-all because there's not a person that's a one-size-is-all. You have to experiment. You have to see what works for you. You have to see what your body thrives on. It's individual, just like you are. All right, everybody, that ends our episode for today. I hope you were able to get some helpful information to be able to live more naturally. You can find me online at canassist.me. That's C-A-N-N-A-S-S-I-S-T dot M-E. This is Dr. Francis saying enjoy, have fun, and until next time, bye guys.